Can I pause for a second and, and just note that uh, we got Brian on here who's getting uh, Congressman Massey on, and our typical lineup includes like homeless people that believe in Bigfoot. <laughs> Welcome to the Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. The Brian Nichols Show is the fastest growing liberty podcast that brings together people from all means of political thought as we seek to have meaningful conversations about the issues you care about. At The Brian Nichols Show, our goal is to leave the audience educated, enlightened, and informed. And now your host, Brian Nichols. Bonus! Bonus episode this week, that's right. And it's with the man, the myth, the legend. You guys know him and love him, Gary Collins. He is from The Simple Life, and Gary is easily one of my favorite people to talk to. Easily, he's become one of my uh, my top mentors in life. I mean, just uh, you know, not only his 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 book, The Simple Life, but also you know his his philosophies on life. You know, the three legged stool. It's things I I embrace in my life. It's things that I teach to my 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 team, my 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 friends, uh, my family, and it works right. So when I have Gary in the show, it's conversations that are real. It's 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 just. Two people having a friendly conversation that just happen to get really deep and really dig into these these really um you know sometimes controversial topics, but sometimes very hard to to dig into and and require some nuanced topics. So today, um, Gary joins the show. We we start discussing personal responsibility. That's kind of the overarching theme for today's show, um, and it does kind of focus specifically on personal responsibility as it impacts public policy. So we do dig into healthcare quite a bit as well, um, but. With that being said, really, it's just about trying to find the, the, you know, the ability for you as yourself to be the best version of yourself because you being the best version of yourself will make you, um, you know, the best part of your community and then help your community. And then, you know, it just, it just, it all is like a domino effect, right? It, it does add on to itself. So I'm not going to spoil the episode. So with that being said, on to the show, Gary Collins here on the Brian Nichols show. All right. And with that, returning to the Brian Nichols show, you know him, you love him. Gary Collins from The Simple Life. Welcome back to the Brian Nichols show. Thanks for having me on, Brian. Well, I, I hope they like me. Otherwise, <laughs> it makes life very difficult if everyone hates you. That's not a good thing. <laughs> Gary, you, you some hate mixed in there to know you're doing OK, but a lot of hate. Uh, I'm not, uh, I don't do that. Gary, you've been one of the uh, the most requested guests to return back to the Brian Nichols show. So I think that that says something. The audience does, in fact, uh, uh, love you. In fact, Gary, <laughs> they, they they must adore you because uh, whenever I have you on the show, not only do uh, the numbers always seem to, to skyrocket, but also um, folks always reach out to me and say, I really, really, really like that conversation with Gary. So naturally, life's still weird um, since we last spoke. COVID's still happening. The world's still kind of on this weird big pause how's life what's been going on since you and i last connected you know it's pretty much the same same old same old you know i built this house and my lifestyle to be able to deal with the kind of any crazy events and i'm not a prepper i'm not a survivalist i don't categorize do i have those skills yeah some of them but they're just life skills is what i call them you know um knowing how to cook that's just a life skill uh but yeah it's it's interesting you know in my little town, there's really no cases. I think there's been a couple, and those were months ago. I, I you know, n- people wear masks. I'm in a unique area because parts in Washington, parts in Idaho, there's different rules. But I talked to someone in Montana yesterday, and they said Montana's flaring up because everyone from surrounding states is coming in trying to move there right now, and they're bringing all the COVID in. Right. So it's, you know, but for me, you know, I'm up in the mountains. I, I wear a mask 24 seven because I'm woke. I'm a, I'm a woke person. Uh, but no, I mean, 
it's ridiculous. I, I, I don't even know what to think anymore. I go into Spokane, which is the nearest big city to me once a week usually. And the last couple of weeks, I've seen numerous people walking the streets and riding their bikes with masks on. It's bizarre. I'm all, we know zero about health in this country. And that's why we have the worst cases is part of it. We're can, just can I ask you a question? Ugly. I have sure. a question for you because so this, yeah. you're actually, you didn't mean to, but you're kind of stumbling into an area that I've actually been thinking about. And, and now that we're, we're talking, I think oh. who better to talk about this than with you. So you, so for folks who haven't had the chance to listen to your past episodes, you worked in, in the government, specifically in, in the, the health um, sector, if you will, um, focusing on, on health and wellness from a, a regulatory standpoint. So you've obviously, you've been able to see not only, you know, how the sausage is made, but you've been, you know, in the upper echelons being able to look down and seeing the actual ramifications. So I, I look at, our, our public today, Gary, and I guess to the, the, what you just stated, our average person doesn't really know health. And, and I think that's so apparent. You look, our obesity numbers are through the roof in America. Um, you know, we are leading the world in, in obesity related illnesses, heart disease, strokes, cancers. You go down the list and, and we seem to be, you know, number one, which America is always number one, but this is the categories you don't actually want to be number one in. And yet now we have COVID, right? COVID 19 is around and I see everybody on Facebook, on Twitter, acting as if they have all received their seven to eight year medical licenses and they all know exactly what is definitively, you know, true, what is definitively false. And, and they will tell you to make sure under no uncertain circumstances, you are wrong if, if they think that your opinion is, is at all invalid. So where's the disconnect, Gary? We see people who they, I guess they pretend to, to, to be, you know, educated on, on health and wellness. And yet, when we look at the actual, um, you know, the actual numbers, right? And, and you being someone who worked in the, yeah. the industry, you get to see it firsthand. It's not the case. Where's that disconnect coming from? Yeah. And for me, it's, it's a little interesting because I've been in athletics and health for over four decades. Um, and at the end, I was a special agent for the FDA and U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, which was an eye opening to the whole medical industry, food industry and drug industry of the United States. And what it made me realize is it's a total sham. The whole thing, it's just bullshit. That's what it is. And we've been duped. And I have that famous saying that I've said numerous times, there's no money in healthy people. We spend the most money by far of any developed country. But we are the most unhealthiest by, by leaps and bounds over any industrialized country. Right. And China's number two, which is an interesting one because a, a large part of China's population lives in basically huts and rice paddies. I mean, honestly, I'm not being a jerk. There's large parts of China that are third world. Oh, literally third world, yeah. Yeah, and we're we're beating them. <laughs> I mean, we're doing this wrong. We're not only doing it wrong, we're doing it very wrong. The biggest disconnect for me today, uh, there's a couple. It, it is, it's not complicated, but how we got here is a little bit because it's first is the lack of, and as a Libertarians, right? I'm now part of the libertarian movement, and I've <laughs> thrown my hat. And we talked about that. Welcome, but I will leave it. Happy. That's the way I am. <laughs> but I'm in. I, I think we're. I think this is the time. Uh, and I didn't join just because it's good uh, and belong. It's. I just realized I had to pick a side. I, I'm not a side guy, but this is the time to say enough's enough. Um, but part of it is the lack of self responsibility. We have been coddled in this country. We play victimhood. It's not my fault. Someone else needs to hold my hand. Someone else needs to take care of me. And when it comes to health, 
it is absolutely 100% on you. It's your health. It's your body. You better take care of it. Now, obviously, we need doctors in a medical system because things go wrong. That's the way it is. Uh, I have dogs. My dogs have to go to the vet. Stuff goes wrong. We're, we're organisms. We're animals. That's what happens. You know? So, but to use, you know, to, to wait for everyone else to fix our problems in health is just, that's part of our bigger problem of not being self-reliant, not taking responsibility for our own actions. The, the second part is the food, drug um, industry and health industry. Like I said, they know it's a moneymaker. And I, me and I, Matt Kibbe talked about this today, that the problem is that they know that to keep us on the wheel is how everyone becomes rich. I mean, think about our health industry in general, especially our medical industry and the drug companies. They have their number one responsibility is to shareholders. Number one. Well, doesn't anyone see that as being a problem right out of the gate? And not only is it their number one obligation, it's a legal obligation because they have a fiduciary responsibility to their shareholders. That's it. That is number one. Until we get that out of the health and health industry in general, it's always going to be a money making operation. It's going to put profit above everything else, no matter what. So, so it kind of creates a perfect storm a little bit there, but we've seen it even, you know, back, you know, 100, 150 years ago in the 1800s of the snake, snake oil salesman. He used to come around and basically get you hooked on cocaine and opium. Sure, it made you feel good for the first month. Uh, then you were an addict and then you died. So it's kind of a it's not like it's new. It's just today. It's just it, it's 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 run amok. So that profit that so- profit center though, Gary, like isn't isn't that what inspires the innovation though? Like, and I'll play the devil's advocate here, right? And actually, I, I would dare say a lot of libertarians are probably screaming at their phones right now because they're saying, "Well, well, Gary, you need to have that profit incentive. You need to have the shareholders out there who are you know who are actually funding the advancements." Um, and, and that's how we, we progress. You know, you have the, the, the people out there who are actually, you know, looking for that return on their investment. And, and with that, they're going to be investing in companies that will be able to, to best suit that. Now, I guess to, to flip that to, to your point, you're saying, well, you know, the problem is that makes sense. But now we're not so, so much having people actually solving these problems, but more so prolonging the problem so they can continue to get more money. So I guess... Couldn't one say that there almost could be an argument for, you know, a, a truly like free market solution to be an, an answer to this, you know, this really it's, it's a pharmaceutical health, um, you know, sector run amok. Couldn't we find a, a, an alternative out there without having to, I mean, look to some, you know, big brother government to, to, you know, give us all the answers. Well, and I think this is a, a wider picture of, humans in general, our problems as humans today in general. For me, and you know, my paradigm shift as I left the government and changed my life and and decided, and I've always been this way. I've always been a patriotic guy. I wanted to help people. It's just the way I, and that's the problem is, I think that's the way all humans are wired. We've gotten away from that. I, I started my company, not number one to make money. I created it first to help people because that gives me that, that fulfills me as a person that makes me a contributor to the greater good of society. And it, it, you know, uh, it gives me life purpose, which I talk in the three-legged stool, which we've talked about. 
And what a big problem in America, a lot of people are lacking life purpose and it puts you on this road of kind of being lost. And why am I here? What am I doing? And my philosophy is very simple. If you start with something that helps people and benefits humankind, the profits will come. Bottom that's line. sales. That's sales 101. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and that's what I mean. I don't want to dupe someone into buying my product. That, that, that actually would make me cringe inside. I always tell people, if you don't like what I do, you're pissed off, you bought a book, you don't like it, shoot me your information. I'll give you a refund in a heartbeat. I won't even blink an eye. It does, if you don't, and that's the way I am. And I think that's what we've lost is that it should be for the benefit of humankind first. Then profits. And, and the problem is it's turned into crony capitalism, right? Which we all discuss. That these there's there's this you know incestual relationship between big business and our government. Well, there's no worse place for those big businesses to be intertwined than our health industry. You know that's a perfect storm for where we're at. You know I always say it, like Dr. Oz, who I'm really a big fan of, if you can tell. Um, if Dr. Oz was truly about changing health, his program would be for two weeks and it would be done. That's that would be it. It would be over because it's not that complicated. You know, why do you need a health show for 10 years? If you need a health show for 10 years, you're not doing your job. Right. And, and, and I, I guess it's just the way I think. It's like, you know, for us, you, true capitalism is, again, it's like we said, it's, it's providing a service that people need. And that's where we get caught too is need and want. You know, oh. I always use example. Yeah, sure. I want a Ferrari. Do I need a Ferrari? No. And it's like our medical system today that the reason it's so expensive, it's a double-edged sword, right? Yeah, exactly. Part of it is because we're incredibly unhealthy. So it's hard to have affordable health insurance. The other side is that they need to keep us sick, which again, goes right back into why it's so expensive. So it keeps the wheels turning. It's like the food industry. 95% of your grocery stores are junk food. There's no real nutritional value in them. And, and as humans, this is very new. What we eat today and what we consume today and the lack of physical exercise we get is brand new to the human species. So it's a multitude of problems, but the biggest is self-responsibility and crony capitalism and profit rules all. I mean, so, I can't. So let, let me um, focus on the profit rules all because I think I might be able to convince you that maybe the profit isn't the bad part because – I think. Oh, I don't think profit's bad. Well, no, I, I'm I saying I'm you saying need to make. A go ahead. I'll let you clarify. Oh, I'm sorry, but making money, and that's what I mean. I'm all for profit. I'm totally fine with that. But what I mean, what, the reason how we're in this today. Think of it: a, a, a company that used to produce photographs out of a automatic camera is now getting almost a billion dollars to create a vaccine. What? Yeah. What? No, no that's insane. That? That's insane. That's that's nuts. And that's what I mean. That's where there has to be a balance between profit and, and, and ethics. The so problem is it's all profit. Maybe the, maybe the, the, it's terminology. So I would say profit, whenever I hear the word profit, I think more of like, you know, just the actual, the, the return on what you're, you're putting into, you know, your business or, or whatever it may be. Right. So 
I would say in in the case you're referring to, I mean, really, it, it's just handouts. I mean, this this isn't even a profit. I mean, you're and you're referring here to Kodak, which ironically is actually from up my home state, New York. They were, you know, obviously one of the, the largest uh, you know photo developers that are out there. Now they got a it was like nine hundred and eighty million dollar handout from the government, and it's like timeout. What? And none of it makes sense, Gary. You're one hundred percent right, but like. If you were to look from a pure like free market business standpoint, that type of quote unquote profit, if you will, from Kodak's perspective, is not the same as a, a company who went out and you know they they earned the, that money by you know blood, sweat, and tears, creating value, building those relationships and such. Like that, I would say is, is you know a good sense of profit, if you will. So maybe it'd be more so just this this incestuous handouts and you know the the quid pro quo you you scratch my back I'll scratch yours you give me a nice fundraising donation and I'll go ahead and pass you you know some nice regulation that's going to keep your competitors out of the marketplace like that right there is what people are so sick of and then you know it it makes so much sense and yet and yet we see every single day your average american voter will go completely and vote against their interests and and it seems like at this point in 2020, with the amount of information that's readily available, you have to be doing it willingly at this point. Like, to say, I didn't know that, like, no, you you didn't go out of the way to do some some education, which, Gary, correct me if I'm wrong, is it, it's kind of the problem in the first place. There's There seems to be a nationwide lack of personal responsibility, and you, you see it not only manifest in our electoral system and what we get in government, but you're also seeing it, yes, in the way it manifests itself in our health. We're seeing that the, the physical America just decrease across the board because we have we have so shirked personal responsibility in the health sector to our our government overlord saying yes vote for more health care vote for this vote for that you know give me what i need instead of saying time out what can i do what can i literally not put into my mouth today that will make me a better person tomorrow like you know you're going to do the, the the cake or are you going to do the carrot like let's actually make a conversation and make that decision but like we're so numb to the, the the opioids that we're getting from the government, basically, in you know the, the the handouts that people will not look at it as a real solution. Gary, what 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 do we need to do to wake people up that we can't keep doing the same thing? We can't keep smashing our head against the wall and expecting a different result. Well, and we've talked about the three legged stool, right? That's why I created it. A part of it. it, part of it was because I had to to kind of filter down the basics of what I teach in the simple life concept. Once I boiled it down, I also kind of realized that those were the three primary things that we were giving away to government and big business, which are our individual freedoms, our health, our financial freedom, and our life purpose. We're willingly giving these away. And the way that what you do is you take those back. Once you take them back, and health is the biggest one, it's the elephant in the room, literally today, that you take that back, you now have control. Now your life starts to take on a different direction, right? Because now you're in control. You don't have those worries. A lot of people today, they're afraid of taking chances. That's what I've noticed. They're afraid to look at something that may be considered fringe. Even though I, I say, I'm so normal, I'm considered crazy today. You know, it's bizarre. Normal behavior and being a normal free human being today is actually looked down upon. I mean, Gary, Gary, really quick. I mean, you said people don't want to take chances. People right now, literally, and and I'm not, I'm not trying to poke fun at coronavirus, but like the, I I have, I have friends and family who, you know, are either they've had coronavirus or they know somebody who has, Mm -hmm. or they themselves are terrified of it. But 
we have a population of people who, and I saw this, this horrifying statistic. It was like, out of your average American, they think that over 20% of the nation has gotten coronavirus and 5% has, has died. I think it's 5% or 9% have, have perished. The numbers aren't yeah. even in the ballpark. It's like, it's less than 0.1% or something like that. It's, it's some ridiculous number. But we have been so, like, we've been so conditioned to, to feel that if you were to go outside, you're going to get the coronavirus and you're going to contaminate your entire family. And it's like, we, we, you have to live. Like you, you go out and do a car every single day. You have a chance you're getting in a car accident and die, but you make that choice. And, and it is a, a calculated choice. The same thing is true for life. But yes, Gary, to your point, people aren't making choices anymore because they're, they're afraid. It seems to, to make a choice because then it makes you actually make a definitive yes or no statement on something in your life. Well, yeah. And, and everything in life, like you said, is a, is a chance. You know, there's a chance that things could go wrong every single day. And I'm not saying that the coronavirus is something just to blow off. But statistically, anyone who and that's part of the problem, too, is we've lost rational thought. Right. We, we've become very tribalistic in our in our politics and we're picking sides and drawing, you know, drawing our line in the sand. Say, if you don't believe in what I believe in, you're wrong. If you don't wear a mask, you just want to kill grandma. I mean, it's always this sensational kind of you know, virtue signaling. And not only that, but almost shaming every time. If you don't believe in what yeah. I believe in, you're just wrong. Yeah. And I think that's what a big part of this coronavirus and it's a perfect storm, right? We hit election cycle, um, political divisiveness, and, and it's just all of it snowballing into one. And I was talking to a friend yesterday and he said he hasn't worn a mask once and he gets looks and he goes, Hey man, I'm 35. I'm healthy. <sighs> he's, he's all, I'm just over it. I'm over it. And, and it's it's a tricky back because you're all, okay, we can't continue to live this way. If this continues on and this is the new norm, this is misery. If you're telling me every time I get on a plane, I have to wear a mask. Uh, if, if we take this attitude, we wouldn't be here today because Lewis and Clark would have never gone on their uh, scouting mission across the country. <laughs> I mean, honestly, we wouldn't even be here if we keep this we're going nowhere. It's going to stifle. You're going to have innovation stifled. People are going to be miserable. And it comes to a point, if we were taking care of our health and we were healthy, this would be almost a zero issue, right? Because the statistics say this, the people who are dying from the coronavirus are almost all obese with multiple health conditions and or elderly in a certain age category. And the problem today is, obviously, if you're obese and elderly, as you age, your immune system starts to down downregulate. It's not as strong. That's part of it, part of aging. So that's, I mean, you're throwing all these pieces in and all the people I know who are healthy, they don't care. They're like, cough in my face. I don't care. You know, and I think it comes to that attitude. I told a friend when this first started happening and I was right. I mean, I'm not patting myself on the back, but I talked to a friend. Then I did an interview right after. And the host asked me, he goes, what do you think is going to happen with this coronavirus thing? I go, you're about to see the most massive redistribution of wealth you've ever seen. And guess what we've done? exactly that. I said, you're going to see the government start shoveling money out left and right. There's going to be no controls on it. No one's going to know where it's going and it's going to make millionaires and billionaires 
out of schmucks, out of people who are just a part of crony capitalism and part of the system. And that's exactly what it's done. Because what what have we done? It's put all the mom and pops out of business and it's made all of the big corporations richer. And now they truly, they, they dominate the markets, Amazon, Walmart, you know, they, they grew. And, and now, and we're, that's, what I mean, we're in a strange place, but if that three-legged stool, if we were all taking care of that and doing that, it removes the power from these entities to be able to do this to us. Because if we're financially sound, debt-free, financial institutions don't really exist all that much. We borrow until we're eyeballs up in debt, and most Americans, almost all Americans, die in debt, period. Well, that's no way to live your life. Americans die incredibly unhealthy. The last 20, 30 years of their life are on three medications or more, and they don't feel good, and they're in and out of hospitals. You know, most people lack life purpose. The most uh, the statistics bear this out on most people's deathbeds. They have multiple regrets of that they didn't live the life they wanted to live. We got to change that. If we change those three things, it will drastically change the direction of us as a country and change our government. It will change the big business attitude. It will just change everything. And that's why I'm such a big fan of, of us being the innovators, right? We're the people who pay all the bills. Well, we need to be the innovators. We need to create the next tech company. You know, we need to be, you know, like, you know, like parlors trying to do that, you know, create a, a social media platform that actually is free. <laughs> you know, I, we need to create the next Apple. We need to create the next Microsoft and do good with it. Because what we're seeing today is a lot of these companies are not doing better for mankind. Do they provide services that help us? Sure. But that's a small fraction of what they could do to make this a better place. Instead, they took this situation and decided it was time to just become a pure monopoly and well, just take everyone. Out. And it was easy for them, right? That that's that's the part that people yeah. don't realize. It, it, the reason it was easy is because when you have government that has created such favorable conditions that only big corporations can meet such standards that are put in place that it it stifles any competition and now you have situations where yes you have a, a you know a a situation like a coronavirus where it it basically puts the world on pause and then you have all these mom and pops who can't compete they they're not not only can they not compete they're not allowed to compete and and that right there i think you know for a, a little bit at the very least some people were awake to that like we're not allowed to to earn a living time out like that there's something very inhumane about that. Um, not allowing people to, to actually go out, you know, put, put, you know, their, their, their hard work into, you know, a, a day and then come back to be able to support their families. You're telling me that I can't do that. And, and not only have, have government officials said that people cannot do that, they, it's almost like they've been emboldened. I mean, you see some, some governors like out in the state of Michigan. I mean, Whitmer, she was getting like downright evil in some of the stuff she was doing. It's like saying like, yeah, um, you know, you, you can, you can, uh, or no, my husband can go out to, uh, you know, our, our cottage in our second home. But if you're an average person who gets caught going to your second home, like you're getting arrested or you're getting fined. And it's like, th- th- this is, this is getting, you know, very, um, very scary. And, I'm I'm kind of nervous yeah. because what we're seeing is is America has really split I think into not so much this you know red and blue though it is a red and blue but I I do see it 
kind of gravitating more towards this uh, more so collectivist versus uh, individualist. And and I I I don't want to say there's ever a definitive way over another, right? I I don't think there's ever one person who knows for sure. Based on everything we've seen, no. individualism and caring about not only yourself but your your immediate community, your family, that has shown to be the best means of building societies. And I think part of the problem, Gary, is that we as a country of 330 million plus people with 50 very, very, very geographically, culturally diverse states have gotten together and have assumed that of all these differences, we must now be super micromanaging from one entity, and that is Washington, D.C., and that that entity will set standards that are essentially arbitrary in many circumstances for all 50 states, regardless of your geographic location, regardless of, you know, cultural norms in that specific state, regardless of what you go through it. And, and what's happening is it's building resentment because now we're having this political football that is Washington, D.C., and it's being tossed back and forth between the red team and the blue team. And every time that the red team gets it, they try to absolutely squash the blue team. And then when the blue team gets it, they try to absolutely squash the red team. And, and then the rest of America that's sitting in the sidelines are like, this game kind of sucks. And we all have to pay to watch it take place every four years, every two years, every year, and nothing seems to get better. So I'm going to give my solution, and I want to hear what your thoughts are. I think that the best approach going forward for America, for some sense of healing, would to take, at the very least, take a step back and start to rescind some of the executive overreach from the federal government and you know from the Congress as well. And start to apply some of that back to the states. And instead of having, you know, some, you know, arbitrary federal standard set from on high and, you know, name the three letter alphabet organization. Now it's your, your state that's, that's setting that standard. It's the state standard, not the, the national standard. And, and I think if, and correct me if I'm wrong, Gary, is if, if we start to do that, then you will start to see a natural geographic shift of people navigating towards those areas that are going to best reflect their values. And as such, we will start to see, um, you will start to see, you know, these little test, um, these test subject states, right. Of this collectivist idea versus an individualist idea and which states you can objectively measure are doing better or worse on a completely fair level playing field. When you remove those arbitrary handouts from the federal government. So that's my kind of setting the stage as what I think would be, a good solution am i on the right path or am i completely you know out to lunch no well the founders that's why we have states the states were the incubators for ideas they were the experimentation you know that's why everything wasn't ruled with an iron fist that the states that you could choose right and you're seeing it right now to some extent the worst hit states and the 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 most just poorly managed states, California, New York, probably the the head of the list. People are flooding out of those states. They're leaving. And well, and that's what the founders want. Hey, if you don't like it here, you can move. Just take off, go somewhere else. And I agree, but we we do. We have an overreaching federal government that now is sticking its fingers in everything. Everything. I mean, even healthcare, like health insurance, right? You should be able to get your health insurance anywhere. Why do I have to have it in my state? Um, You know, I, I mean, ridiculous. And that's the problem is it, it's turned into control. But I always say that if you control your life and your destiny, 
it makes it much harder for these agencies and this oligarchy we live in today to control you. Now, is it perfect? No. And I'm also a big fan of, you know, everyone, because it's great to, to bitch and complain about everything, but my attitude is you need to fix yourself first. You know, before you could even start, you know, I'm not saying don't have, you know, it never com- comment or anything or have an opinion. But our problem is we've lost track of looking inside, of introspection, of going, hey, I'm part of the problem. I need to fix me. Once I fix me, then I can worry about all this other shit, right? Then I can start saying, okay, let's fix this. And it's like, I always tell people, why are you trying to continuously trying to punch the 800 pound gorilla in the face? Fix yourself, fix your community, fix your family, move it on. Just keep moving. it. And as you fix everything around you, it has this effect. You know, it, 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 I hate to use this example. It's like a virus. It spreads. It starts to spread out. And I think that's what we've lost. You know, just 150 years ago, almost everyone was a farmer. Mm-hmm. My family too. Yeah, yeah, no, my family, my family are farmers. It's it's amazing because see, because uh-huh. like all the families up in my my home area, like they were all farming families. And it's funny, even back, I think back, Gary, just you know, you know, back in the nineties, right? I remember you'd have mm-hmm. multiple, multiple family names. My family, we would do cropping for different families as like a custom hire business, and we'd go out and plant their corn and, and mohay and stuff. And you'd have. You'd have dozens and dozens of local families. And and now, Gary, here we are in 2020. I think there's like four or five families that are left up there that are, are farming. That's it. Well, and, and understanding that microeconomy and macroeconomy, right? The microeconomy, the way it stays strong and, and works the best way is by small business, which is the backbone of this country. This is how this country, the whole economy was built. Don't get me wrong. We had our Rockefellers and, you know, our Morgan Chases and all that. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's not like it's new. <laughs> it's been around. But with the local small economies, I, I always get this example, too, of the money stays local. If you continue to shop at that big store in your small community or shop online at this big store that sells, you know, has a hundred, uh, you know, uh, or a million SKUs or whatever, that money goes out. And it never comes back. When you support your community and you start small businesses and you buy from small businesses in your community, it's, the money stays in that community. It builds the tax base. It, you're able to fix the roads. You're able to, you know, clean up your city. You're able to, you know, build bridges, fix bridges, infrastructure. You're able to do that. The problem now is all of our money goes two places, big business and the federal government and state governments too. I mean, our state governments are following the, the exact same direction of, of the federal government in a lot of cases. It's just as corrupt, right? And matter of fact, I'm going to have a guest on, a PhD psychologist who I'm a friend with, and we're going to talk about the interrelation between uh, uh, a sociopath, psychopath, and criminals and politicians. We're going to talk about that. Because I think there, there's a big disconnect, too, with our, with our politicians. I mean, they're broken. The system's broken. No one, want, no one wants to be a politician today. No one, no one with a rational mind, right? So it attracts the worst of the worst right out of the gate. I mean, look at Thomas Massey, the, probably the nicest guy in the world. You know, that's the guy you want as president. He never has a snowball's chance in hell of being president. Those are the rational minds, you know, the Ron Pauls. They're never going to make it. Never. <laughs> it ain't going to happen. 
because the system is inherently corrupt and it goes from the top down. So that's why I say the way you fix it is bottom up. You just take it from the bottom and you just slowly push them out. I just don't think there's any other way. Yeah. Well, um, so I think you're on. I say I'm a big fan yeah, of controlling. Right. Well, thank you. I appreciate that, Gary. Uh, I, you know, I, I guess I do have a couple of brain cells rubbed together over here. But you know, I, I I do say you know one of the things I do like to to focus on. I actually preach this a lot to my sales team is you know control what you can control, and and it kind of goes to yeah. what you're referring to is at, at the end of the day the the one thing guaranteed you can always control is you your your actions your your behaviors your thoughts your emotions you you can control the way that you approach the day the way you approach you know your your coworkers your job your your relationships and i think and, and to your point and this has kind of been you know, the overall you know overarching theme we've had today is this personal responsibility for your health, taking responsibility, taking control of that emotional health, of the financial health. And, and yes, that sense of purpose, going back to that three-legged stool. I mean, Gary, every time we talk, recording or not, we always talk about the three-legged stool because it's life. I mean, if you're not yeah. focusing on that three-legged stool, then then you're out of balance. And if you as a person are out of balance, then how how do you expect to you know be a, a political actor? How do you expect to be the best person at your business? Or how do you expect to be a business leader if you yourself are not taking care of yourself, taking care of your personal health, and making sure that you're the best version of who you can be? So speaking of being the best version of who people can be, Gary, you're obviously a, a very busy guy. And with that, you've been doing some, uh, some behind-the-scenes writing. So you have a new book coming out. Give us a, a, a sneak peek. What to expect and where folks can find it? Oh no, I I have, I have a book out. Right have now. the book out? Uh, oh my god! What a friend am I? Come on! No, no, no! It was bad. It, there was a snafu between my distribution company and Amazon and all that. I launched it. It was able to launch it on my website. And I was able, but I have a, I have a lot of projects going on, and they're all based upon helping people. You know, I didn't. <sighs> And we've talked a little bit about this, but I found my life purpose by accident in a way. I was just on my journey trying to better myself and people were interested in it. I go, dumb me? What do you, why do you even care about what I'm doing? And I just didn't know that people were hungry for the things that I was, that I was teaching and my, what I was doing. But also I created the simple life based upon the things that I wish I had 30 years ago. The things that I would have helped me out greatly in life to give me a head start. You can only do that from experience, you know, through life and failure. I failed a bunch of times. I learned my lessons and I just kept going and came out the other side and said, okay, I can, I can help people. Am I the, the head of the, the, the mountain and the guru? Do I claim to be? Absolutely not. I'm a dumb, dumb, poor redneck from the middle of nowhere. If I can make it, anyone can do this. Anyone can make it. You know, we have free will in this country. We're lucky. But yeah, my new my new book is The Simple Life Guide to Small Habits for Big Change. Um, and I always forget the subtitle, even though I did create it. 14 Powerful Lessons for Living a Life of Success and Integrity. And it's I put together the 14 habits that I think are are crucial. They're, they're, they're small changes that you can put in that will make a drastic change in your life. And I know it because I've done it. You know, that's where it comes from. I've done it. I've taught other people to do it. I, you know, I still teach. I still consult. I still help people. And I, that will never end. And that's like the three-legged stool. It never ends. You just don't go fix it and it's done. It's a lifelong adventure. You always should be trying to improve yourself. You know, just like if you're not learning, you're dead. 
is what I always say. Yeah, you're always learning. Always, you should always be striving to be better. And that's the thing about finding your life purpose is life isn't about chasing a carrot anymore. Life is the carrot. And you you go through life and I look at it this way. I'll be doing what I'm doing now until I take my very last breath. That's how I look at it. There is no retirement. And people, oh God, that sounds brutal. No, I love what I do. I'm passionate about what I do. Uh, there's nothing better than getting emails of people. I got a couple today. I found you by accident. I love your stuff. You're changing my life. Thank you. Me? I'm an idiot. Okay, great. You know, I'm like, whoa. You know, and you just don't realize the impact you can have on other people by just working hard and doing the right thing. So yeah, long-winded, but yeah, go to my website, the simple life now. Dot com. My podcast, which is doing really well, is Your Better Life. We talk about a lot of different things. I've had a lot of different guests on. I've got the guys who did The Swamp will be the next episode. The writers and producers and directors of The Swamp, which was a HBO documentary out right now. And I just, uh, Damien Eccles came out. He spent 18 years on death row. I thought that was a really, really good interview. So a lot coming. The newest book. I think you'll like this one, Brian. I don't like journals in general, but I decided with uh, some people kind of influenced me to do it, but I said, I won't do one if it's like everyone else, everyone else journal out there. So I built this journal. It's 365 days of you putting in small positive actions in every day, but it's not just filling. There's lessons all through the thing. There's action items. So you know what to do. Uh, you know, I'm giving you the information you need to kind of implement these small little changes and habits in every single day. So if you keep at it every single day for a year, that could be 365, even though small changes, you add them all up, turns into big change. So that's the next one. And not only that, it will only be sold on my website. I will not sell it anywhere else. It will not be distributed. It will not be on Amazon. I am cutting out all the middlemen. I've said it will only be sold on my website. That's it. So you're not going to find it anywhere else. Well, when it's out, I mean, I'm going to make sure, number one, we have you back on because I want to make sure we dig into it. Um, but number two, I'm also going to get the links to it because, Gary, obviously, all the work you do, um, you know, it it's something that I have not only taken and applied to my, my personal life, but something I've applied for my sales team. I've applied, you know, in, in when I'm teaching other, you know, other folks in podcasting or, or trying to do marketing and sales or, or consulting, whatever it is, I, I end up kind of always referring back to stuff that I've, I've, you know, learned, um, you know, from, from folks like you. And, and honestly, I, I, I love having, you know, you on the show, but other folks like, you know, Matt Kibbe and, and Jeffrey Tucker, Larry Sharp, you go through the, the folks that I've spoken to, the folks that you've gotten to speak to. And I think this is the best part about what we do is that we get to speak to really cool people and we get to, to bounce ideas off folks. And, and I think that's, again, to your point, that's the way we actually get better. It's how we grow. Um, by, by continuing to share these ideas, by continuing to push each other, um, continuing to inspire each other, support each other. Um, so with that being said, Gary, thank you, number one, for all you're doing, uh, for the work not only you did with The Simple Life, but also continuing with your podcast. And thank you, number one, for having me on the show as well. Uh, it's been great to, to you know be a guest over there, and um, I cannot recommend the show enough. So with that being said, Gary, thank you again so much for coming on the show. Where can folks find oh. you on Twitter, by the way, if they want to go ahead and, and stay up yeah. all the date you're doing over there? Well, I don't, I don't use social media. I, I got talked back into Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> 
but it's a great tool. What I've found is it's a great tool and I use it in a way differently of I'm not, I don't spend a ton of time on it, but I use it for the podcast. It's a great way to meet and find people and get a hold of them. Otherwise there's, I've noticed everyone has a Twitter account. So yeah, you can find me on Twitter. It's at, oh no. Gosh, I don't even know what my handle is. Well, you know what? Simple here, life now. Oh, is that okay? Well, you know what? Just for fun, I was gonna say here's the the action item for my my audience is to go to the show notes because there's gonna be all these great links to it uh, to Gary's yeah. work, but also now the the link to it uh, to Gary's Twitter there as well, and we'll confirm that Gary and post. Don't you worry. Um, so Gary, you know, isn't that bad? I don't even know. My, that's how little attention I pay to that, <laughs> that stuff. Gary, it's okay because <laughs> whenever. Also, I, I say, whenever yeah, I do see you on there, it's always good because I get to see you. you. You always end up retweeting some fun stuff, and it always brings a smile to my face because uh, it's like Gary's not on social media, but when he is, he's always at least having some fun. You know, and that's how I look at it. And if anyone just goes negative and trolls get in there, we're lucky. I have a group of people, you know, with us. You know, it's a kind of a wider network that we all are in there just kind of helping each other, tweeting the stuff we find. And that's how it's meant to be. And I think we're very unique in how we handle it. I really do. Because no one puts up with anyone's crap. If some troll <laughs> comes in and starts stirring the pot, they instantly get blocked and no one deals with them. Like everyone just, no one comments. It just, they just disappear. Don't feed the trolls. And what I've known. Yeah. You know, don't waste your time. They're just trying to stir stuff up and get you wound out. And you just end up wasting time. Like you said, change the things you can change. Ignore the rest. Gary Collins, I could talk to you for hours, my good sir, but uh, unfortunately, there's only so many hours in a day. So that being said, thank you so much for joining the Brian Nichols Show. And as always, looking forward to having you back on the show and looking forward to joining you over on your podcast in the very near future. Gary, a blast as always. Thanks. All right, folks, let's wrap up my conversation with Gary Collins. As always, just a wealth of knowledge, a wealth of wisdom, and always a a great time, uh, a great conversation to be had. And the dude's a quote machine. I mean, life isn't about chasing the carrot life is the carrot okay yeah i know it's probably a quote from before but that one just like hit me i was like that's thousand percent on board with that so with that being said guys do me a favor if you have not yet go ahead uh, and give gary a follow over on twitter and while you're there go ahead and give me a follow at b nichols liberty but you can find me there on twitter as well on facebook and on minds.com and also head over to apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating review and while you're there hit subscribe and make sure you hit the notifications so you don't miss any episodes from The Brian Nichols Show. And then a special ask for this week. This episode is co-airing with my episode with Ricky Dale Harrington. He is running for U.S. Senate out in the great state of Arkansas against Tom Cotton. And not only is he the only libertarian running, well, I say only because really there's only one libertarian, but he's the only candidate running against Tom Cotton. So if you are a, a Democrat out in the state of, of Arkansas and you want to take down Tom Cotton, well, Ricky's your guy. So go ahead, listen to the episode. I'll include the link in the show notes. But with that being said, guys, it's Brian Nichols. Signing off here on The Brian Nichols Show for Gary Collins. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com.